Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's the summit picture everyone was waiting to see, and it went by in a blink. President Trump meeting with the G7 leaders. But it's the next summit on the agenda, the one in Singapore that's on Trump's mind. And President Trump's former campaign chairman faces new charges. This is the State of America tonight. I love Canada, but they treat us very unfairly on trade. U.S. President Donald Trump has arrived in Canada. The president has clearly been a whole lot tougher on our traditional friends and allies. The power to pardon is a beautiful thing. The president was talking about pardons, but it sounds like he's already pardoned Vladimir Putin. He's looking at 3,000 nonviolent drug offenders. I don't think I have to prepare very much. It's about uh, attitude. I am very confident the president will be fully prepared when he meets with his North Korean counterpart. I always believe in preparation, but I've been preparing all my life. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in Washington, in for Kate Baldwin. To our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America Tonight. We begin with the G7 summit getting underway in Canada. What's normally a friendly meeting among close allies is instead kicking off under a cloud. And President Donald Trump is at the center of it all. Paula Newton joins me now from Quebec City. And Paula, just like to start off with the so-called family photo, that traditional picture of the G7 leaders we see every year. It went by very quickly. Reading the atmospherics, what does that tell you? Well, two things. One is, yes, they probably didn't want to all stand there awkwardly. They normally sit and joke around. Clearly no one wanted to do that. But also remember, President Trump was a bit late here. They want to get back on schedule. They have a lot to talk about. You know, Joe, you've covered enough of these to know that normally what is unpredictable are the protests and what's usually very predictable is the summit. President Trump has turned that right around. In fact, we've had very little protests here, but the fireworks are all at the summit site uh, in Charlevoix at that resort there. We have no idea how lunch went, but clearly given the limited amount of time, there certainly won't be any breakthroughs. But I think all those leaders, Joe, around the table coming to grips with the fact that Donald Trump has really turned all of this on its head. It is what his advisors say he wanted to do. He doesn't necessarily believe that multilateralism is the best thing for Americans. And his allies are now pushing back and saying, look, we can give as good as we get. And when it comes to trade or even issues, frankly, like him suggesting that Russia should now join the G7 again. Remember, they were kicked out in 2014 for annexing Crimea. That That is just absolutely not going to happen. I think what remains to be seen in the next few hours here as they continue to roll their way through the agenda is what they can talk about substantively on trade, but still salvage what was a very ambitious G7 program on things like, uh, you know, income inequality, climate change and gender equity, Joe. A whole list of topics there that the president is likely to miss because he's going to leave the summit early headed for Singapore. Thank you so much for that, Paula Newton in Quebec. From the summit that President Trump can't wait to leave early to the summit he can't wait to attend. Trump seems excited and relaxed over next week's meeting with Kim Jong-un. 
Before he left the White House for these back-to-back -back summits, he talked to reporters on the White House lawn. Trump says he's been preparing to meet Kim Jong-un for a long time, some 70 years, in fact. I always believe in preparation, but I've been preparing all my life. You know, these one-week preparations, they don't work. What a difference a day makes. Just on Thursday, Trump implied he was going to wing it for the Singapore summit. What are you doing to prepare for the summit with North Korea? I think I'm very well prepared. I don't think I have to prepare very much. It's about uh, attitude. It's about uh, willingness to get things done. I don't have to prepare very much. That certainly raised some eyebrows. And so much for no preparation. Now Trump says he's bringing his homework on the plane, taking 15 boxes of research with him. Back in Washington, there are developments in the Russia investigation. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, is facing new trouble. Prosecutors have just filed new charges against him. The indictment also names Konstantin Kalimnik, a close business associate of Manafort's that prosecutors say has ties to Russia. Right now, Manafort is under house arrest, but that could soon change because prosecutors have asked for his bail to be revoked. They say Manafort has been trying to influence witnesses in the case. The Russia investigation may have been on Trump's mind today when he spoke about pardons. He says he's considering thousands of them. The president's pardon power is considered to be absolute. No congressional or judicial approval required. And it sure seems like Donald Trump has fallen in love with the pardon, but he says he has no plans for now to grant pardons to Manafort or others involved in the Russia investigation. I haven't even thought about it. I haven't even thought, I haven't thought about any of it. It certainly is far too early to be thinking about that. They haven't been convicted of anything. There's nothing to pardon. It's far too early to be, it is far too early to be thinking about it. But merely refusing to rule out a pardon in this case is a big deal and could make Robert Mueller's job a little bit tougher. This is an area that has a great practical significance to the Mueller investigation because if the subjects and targets of the Mueller investigation believe that pardons are a possibility, they're not going to plead guilty or they're not going to cooperate. But one thing Mr. Trump is hoping to get cooperation with is who to pardon next. The president wants to hear from athletes who have been kneeling during the national anthem at sporting events about their ideas for good pardon candidates. Yes, the president actually said that. He even tossed out the idea of pardoning boxer Muhammad Ali. Taking one of the most beloved famous men worldwide and saying, hey, I'm in this pardon routine right now and I'm going to pardon Muhammad Ali. It's just an embrace of somebody that he hopes can rub off some goodwill for him. OK, wait a minute. Let's pause and fact check this. Muhammad Ali was convicted for avoiding the Vietnam War draft. That conviction was later overturned. So there's technically nothing to pardon him for. Still ahead, it's looking like Trump versus the world as the president enters the G7 summit expecting a fight on trade. Is there a strategy here? Our panel coming up next. President Donald Trump is making overtures to Russia and North Korea, all the while causing unease among his closest allies. The G7 summit getting underway and Trump's America First tariffs look to make the talks anything but friendly.
Tonight's panel, Jack Kingston, CNN political commentator and former senior advisor to the Trump campaign. Bill Press, host of The Bill Press Show. Jackie Kucinich, CNN political analyst and Washington bureau chief for The Daily Beast. And Doug High, CNN political commentator and former communications director for the Republican National Committee. So, uh, Jack Kingston, start with you. Is there a strategy? No, he's all a question. Right. Um, yes, I think there is. You know, when he's the president has made the case that the tariffs that Europe puts on uh, American automobiles are four times bigger than the tariffs we put on theirs. For every car we sell to Japan, we buy a hundred from them. Um, it's lopsided. I know coming from lumber country in Georgia um, that Canada has had a practice of dumping softwood lumber on America. So I think the, fr- the fact that the president is bringing this up is ex- exactly what the G7 is for. Now, Bill Press, a uh, million dollar question here is, <laughs> well, uh, speaking of strategy, whether uh, this administration perhaps got the tail before, before the horse just a bit because they rolled out these tariffs before the G7 having to know or perhaps not even considering that it was going to meet with a chilly reception once they got to Quebec. Should they perhaps have uh, waited to roll out these tariffs until after the president left this uh, summit? Let me just say, anybody who thinks there's a strategy at this White House does not know this White House. I mean, if there is a strategy, this is the most ass-backward strategy I think you can imagine. That, First that's of all, a technical the term. Way you, <laughs> yeah. so, so before you go to a, tar- uh, to a meeting, with your longest and strongest allies, you piss them all off, right? You just, you just to mud in their face, basically blow up the meeting before you get there. Then, on your way, you say, by the way, let's bring Russia back in, because right. they did such a good job in Crimea that now we're going to reward them for seizing Crimea. Not uh, to mention everything yeah, they did right. in the U.S. election. Not to mention <laughs> but, but, the election but, but, and Bill, the next Paul, election. Oh, so then, and then <laughs> he leaves these guys that he's pissed off behind in Quebec, and he goes to greet a thug and a murderer in Singapore and is praising him already and saying he's an excellent leader. You, you explain the strategy. It, it, I don't well, get it. Uh, Jackie, is there an argument for bringing Russia back into the G7, turning it into the G8? I'm sure Jack will give it to you. But you're not ready to walk, go there. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to walk, to walk everybody through that one. Right. It, it is perplexing because uh, Russia, yes, there have been sanctions put on Russia. However, not to the extent of what they did when it comes to what they did in the U.S. election. They haven't been punished for that. Uh, and the idea that they would, again, be... Uh, forgiven and put back in the G8. They haven't done anything. They haven't made any concessions. They haven't. Vladimir Putin hasn't moved toward uh, the, the the EU or anyone else. He's he has his own little fiefdom. That, so why reward that? Um, it, it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you are you're hearing warmer language for Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong Un than you are for U.S. allies. And what the what's the end game here? I mean, it, it, I have to say, American consumers are going to lose. That's what's going to happen with these tariffs right now. And you're hearing that from Republicans and Democrats. But, but let, me, right. let, let me raise this. Um, 1999, the, the G8 met in my district in Georgia. I was very involved in it. I don't know what was accomplished. What was accomplished last year? This is a meeting of large economies. It's a meeting. It's nothing more. I don't know of any okay, significant okay. agreements. Then I don't think they walk away with great trade agreements from these meetings. No, but, I, yeah, Doug. I think uh, the whole thing's a photo op. It, it, it is. It, well, there was about a three-second photo op today. <laughs> That's very good one. 
<laughs> suggests that there are some short tempers here, and, and there should be. It, ultimately, to me, it looks a lot like Donald Trump's Twitter feed, where there's not necessarily one grand strategy, but there are a lot of uh, very short-term tactics that we see. So well, did the meeting with Emmanuel Macron go on? No, it didn't. Why? Because a man who has the most famous private plane well, in the world couldn't get there on well, he had, time. He had a, that's, a, that's there a was mistake. a pull aside. There was and a pull you're right, aside. You, you raise right issues. The president is raising right issues. But I, I would say a lot of people in the party, and you know, these were your former members or your former colleagues in the House, feel this is not the best way to address them. Because if the price of aluminum goes up, yeah. it goes up on everybody. Or if you're Mitch McConnell, that's bourbon. If you're Paul Ryan, that's Harley Davidson. And on and on and on. Yeah, one of the things that's very interesting about this, though, depending on what part of the Rust Belt you're standing in, here in the United States, the president standing tough on trade mm -hmm. is deemed to be a fairly popular thing. But it's not getting through, though, to that also, the rest of the world hates this and is starting say, a trade from, war. Coming from California, I mean, I think Jackie's right. This is going to hurt American consumers. It's going to hurt American farmers. You look at the rice growers, the soybean growers, the, the vegetable growers in California who sell there already have these great markets developed. And now there's 25% tariff on these things. They're going to be out of yeah. business. Look at Iowa. And Iowa, Iowa right. like pork. I mean, there, there's, a whole, there's a whole number of tariffs that are going to be slapped back on American goods. That are, well, and not to mention okay. but, but, the prices will go up know. elsewhere. Remember, this has been going on since February or March, right. and we haven't seen this so-called trade war that was supposed to boil over and erupt. Still early, though. Still early. And okay. it hasn't. Let, so. let, let's just move very quickly uh, to Singapore. Because that's certainly a big issue. It's yeah. coming up. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of questions about whether the president is going to get played uh, once he gets uh, to sit down with North Korea's leader. The question, though, is, is the United States getting played just because the president is showing up? In other words, lending the credence of the United States to make a dictator look like a statesman. You know, I, I think that Kim Jong-un and his father and his grandfather have always been somewhat villains of the world. And the fact that he is bringing this on and he is moving it forward and he's gotten probably more out of North Korea than any other president. I think it's a significant thing and I think it's in all of our interests for this summit to be successful. Jackie, uh, what do you think? Is it a good thing just for the president to show up or are there dangers? I've heard comparisons of this to uh, President John Kennedy sitting down with Nikita Khrushchev, and it turned into a disaster. Sure, there are dangers, uh, especially because the president himself said he's not preparing and that attitude is everything. That said, you know, I think, I think the, the X factor is how China backs up anything that gets done um, because they're going to be the enforcer here. Um, obviously, South Korea right now has a leader that really wants peace with the North, that they, they campaigned on that. That's one of the reasons he was elected. So is it bad on its face that the president is sitting down with um, Kim Jong-un? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know that it is. Mm -hmm. I, I tell you, I think it's good that they're sitting down. And I, I think all of us hope that something good come out of this. Right. I also think we should lower our expectations for a couple of reasons. Because of who he, Kim Jong-un is and what he's done. Uh, and because of Donald Trump just waltzing into this without any preparation basically pretending he doesn't need any and expecting anything good to come out of it. I hope this would be the beginning of a long process and not just a photo op. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here. President Trump says he is considering pardoning thousands of people, some of them well-known or celebrities. But could that list include himself or his closest allies? The panel returns next.
I'm not above the law. I never want anybody to be above the law. But the pardons are a very positive thing for a president. I think you see the way I'm using them. And yes, I do have an absolute right to pardon myself, but I'll never have to do it because I didn't do anything wrong. A lot to unpack there. President Donald Trump told reporters he's considering pardoning some 3,000 people, including boxer Muhammad Ali. He's floated several high-profile names in recent days. He hasn't ruled out pardoning former campaign staffers either as they face multiple charges in the Russia investigation. The panel's back. So uh, the first thing he says is pardons are a very positive thing for a president. Is that where we are right now with this, or, or, or is it getting through to the country that there could be more afoot? Bill? Well, there, <laughs> there is, first of all, it's very strange. There are very few things that a president can do on his own that stick and he doesn't need Congress. Pardoning people is one of them. So he loves this. He can do it. Two, but you know, there's a whole process for pardoning people. The Department of Justice has dozens of attorneys who look these, over these cases. Donald Trump is ignoring them. He's got into celebrity pardoning, and that's what this is all about. And I don't think there's any reason to pardon a Denise D'Souza, for example, or a Joe Arpaio or Scooter Libby, other than to send a message to Paul Manafort. Don't worry, Paul, I got your back. I can pardon you, too. I could even pardon myself. This is message messing with the Mueller investigation. Uh, So he he talked about Paul Manafort. He talked about... Michael Flynn, uh, no, I'm sorry, he didn't talk about Michael Flynn, he talked about Michael Cohen. Is that what he's doing here? For an international audience, sort of laying the groundwork for uh, a bunch of pardons of people who were connected to him and got in trouble in the Russia investigation, or is this more about pardoning icons, celebrity power, using the one absolute power or one of the few that the President of the United States has? I think he is getting advice that if he does start pardoning people that are, I mean, right, they've been laying the groundwork to tear down the Russia investigation, the, 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 the Mueller investigation, for a while now. That's why Rudy Giuliani is out there doing Rudy Giuliani's thing. Now, if, if he, but if he starts pardoning someone like a Paul Manafort, um, it, who's ensnared in a whole bunch of other things, that's gonna, that, that sends the wrong message, and that's going to be politically perilous for him. I can't look into the mind of the president, but I know he's being told, don't do this. Right. Now, Doug Hyatt, one of the things that's very interesting about what he said this morning is that he was thinking about pardoning Muhammad Ali, Mm -hmm. uh, who is uh, no longer with us. And also who, as a matter of fact, uh, happened to already have been uh, essentially cleared Mm -hmm. by the United States Supreme Court when they overturned his conviction. Is this one of those examples of the president shooting from the hip, getting out in front of things without talking to advisors, saying things uh, in the media that haven't been vetted privately and sort of an indication of his style, which tends to bounce back on him and make him look like he's not credible. Well, he certainly could have had discussions with staff, but again, it's a situation where you may have tactics instead of a long-term strategy. If you talk to any Republican member of Congress running for re-election, any senator running for re-election, they would love to talk about the economy all day, every day. They'd love to talk about job growth, that wage growth is, is really increasing in this country. And instead, we've had a week talked about where we talked about pardoning. We had a week where we talked about a football team, the, the, the entire um, press, uh, press briefing for the White House was, was basically about a football team for an entire day. That's not the message that's going to save the House for Republicans in the fall. It's not going to help us gain seats in the Senate for the fall. And that's where you see the tension coming between 
um, House Republicans, at least on the private side, because they don't want to pop up on this too publicly. It's also incredibly entertaining for a lot of his supporters. Mm -hmm. They enjoy it a great deal. It's reality yeah. TV. Right. <laughs> but but is that, that's part of his appeal, though, certainly in the red state of America. It is, Joe. I mean, if you think that uh, President Obama actually pardoned Willie McCovey, who assigned baseballs and didn't report the income from it. So I think there might be some little, you know, let me get your attention here. President Obama um, uh, commuted and pardoned over something like 1,700 people, 330 on his last day in office. At least President Trump is actually doing it now. President Bush, the same thing. On the way out the door, you do pardons. I think the fact that he's talking about it now, first term early on, I think it's a protective like thing. Point out Those that President Obama did came through the system, through the Department of Justice. They were not just his well, buddies. Uh, you know, right now, if let's you talk about pardon, Jack, if Oscar pardon, Rivera, who, who was you, involved with right, the Liberation right, Group in Puerto Rico, 120 bombings. Jack, if you that, wanted, that, he's a thug. Here's my point. If you wanted a pardon today, you'd be better off not going to the Department of Justice. Talk to Ted Nugent. Bill, let me say this. I, you know, as a member of Congress, I, I was involved in a little bit of this, mm -hmm. and I can tell you that regardless of what they say in public, they have been scrubbed. And I know the DOJ can turn those things around, whether it's uh, Marie Johnson or, or Jack to, Johnson or whatever. That doesn't speak to what Donald Trump is doing now. It's all I, no, you don't know that. I can tell you the DOJ does <laughs> have procedures. Because, pardoned. listen, as a Republican, we love to say Obama, uh, Clinton did it wrong. But that really wasn't okay. true. Bush Gotta go, and guys. all of them used the DOJ. Uh, anyway, all right. Thanks so much to the panel. Appreciate seeing you all. Uh, before we go, I do want to touch on an incredibly sad and particularly painful story for here, uh, us here at CNN. That is Anthony Bourdain, the host of Parts Unknown, has died. Anthony was our colleague, our friend, and a member of the CNN family. He was amazingly gifted, a storyteller, a writer, a traveler, and chef. He took his own life at a hotel in France. That's where he was filming the last episode of his award-winning show. His death has come as a complete shock to his family and friends and the president as well. I think it's very sad. In fact, I want to extend to his family my heartfelt condolences. That, that was very shocking. When I woke up this morning, Anthony Bourdain is dead. And I enjoyed his show. He was quite a character, I will say. Now, if you or anyone you know needs help, a family member, a friend, a colleague, please reach out to the International Association for Suicide Prevention. They can guide you on how to get help wherever you are at whatever time of day. And there's information on our website, including how you can make a difference in preventing suicide. That's at CNN.com. That was the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 